good morning, Celebration Church. Can we stand up wherever you are at? And let's all join together. Let's say this. This is who we are. This is what we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's all join together and say this. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning and welcome. Happy New Year. Good to have all of our campuses joining with us in Appleton and Stevens Point and everyone joining us online. Welcome. Good to have you here today. Uh, I want to make you aware we just started this morning in a season of prayer at Celebration Church that we are calling 21 Days of Prayer. And uh, this morning was a great time of prayer. We had a number of people at all of our campuses that came together, and uh, it, w- it was powerful. It was really great. As I was even driving in this morning, I just had this expectation inside of me that God was going to do something great through this time, and uh, we had a really great morning of prayer. It started at 6.15, which is really early for me. Anybody else? Is that a little bit early? It's early, but we're going Sunday through Friday, 6.15 to 7 in the morning, and we start off with a little 10-minute mini message from one of the pastors at the church about prayer. And then, uh, and then we've got prayer guides that'll, that'll kind of give you instructions for that time of prayer and based off of the Lord's prayer and then things we can be praying about uh, each day. And then we have daily prayer. So there's things we're focusing on each of those 21 days about prayer. And we'd invite you to join us. You're invited. Join us at our campuses at 6.15. We'll have coffee for you and spend a little time in prayer. You can shove off in time to go to work and time to get your kids to school, all those things. So we hope you're able to join us. It really was a great time this morning, and those that were there really enjoyed it. Uh, Great to get together and pray over our cities, pray over our nation, over our lives, and we're praying over prayer requests. So if there's something going on in your life, and I bet there is something that we can be praying for, take time and fill out the prayer requests. They're on the inside of the bulletins. You can just tear that off, drop it at the guest services counter before you leave. You can also email prayer at celebrationchurch.tv and we'll be sure to add you to that prayer list. But hopefully you're able to join us and connect in with our prayer. It's really been a great time. Uh, Well, during January, uh, we've got, uh, man, we've set up some great preaching. So you're not going to want to miss one Sunday in January. This morning we have a very special guest all the way from South Africa, our very good friend, Bishop Gary Rivas. Let's all put our hands together for a very warm celebration. Church, welcome at all of our campuses. Good to be with you here this morning. Um, I said to Bob and to Mark, if they want me to come preach, I'm often they need to raise this thing up a bit. It's a bit uh, good for you, Bob. <laughs> And Happy New Year to you. Uh, it's my prayer that uh, 2018 will be the most wonderful, wonderful year. It's really good to be back. It was a bittersweet um, 
time of travel for me this year, uh, coming out to the US. Uh, it was wonderful because I was able to spend uh, my wife Jackie's family lives in Atlanta, and we were able to spend Christmas and New Year with them, which is really wonderful. Um, but then obviously, you know, making the journey across to be with Mark and the family, Debbie's passing was, was really sad. But uh, I go back to Atlanta tonight and then back to summer tomorrow, back to Africa. <laughs> Back to Africa, man. And we're we having a beautiful summer at the moment. Uh, Mark has been uh, probably be sending a prayer request because more than once he's caught me out in the yard just standing there in the middle of the snow watching the snow come down. Because for us, the last time it snowed in South Africa was 1986 for one day. So uh, for me, this is like a winter wonderland. It's amazing. Uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to, to a bit of sun and fun back in, in Africa. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here uh, to share with you again. So the scripture is from uh, Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, and he spoke about reconciliation, a ministry of reconciliation, and he speaks about a new creation. And this Sunday being the first Sunday of 2018, uh, on the back of my very good friend Jimmy Bratcher, who preached last Sunday, uh, I want to be uh, picking up that and uh, speaking uh, on New Year's resolutions and a new creation. So from verse 17, Paul writes this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to him in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And so we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled with God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. So God, we're grateful for what you have done for us in loving us in the way you do. May our hearts and minds be open to your work in our life today. Amen. I know for a fact you might have heard the story of the, of the guy whose uh, marriage wasn't exactly what it could have been. A bit of spark was lost. Uh, things had become, you know, uh, routine, and uh, there was a sense that, and I think one of the greatest um, challenges that any marriage faces is that the uh, couple ends up taking each other for granted, you know, and this is what ha had happened to him. And so he went to go and speak to a counselor, which is pretty unique for a guy to go and look for help, am I right? You know, because we love sharing how we feel about things, you know. And um, so, he, so the counselor asked him to tell him a bit about his routine and his life. And, uh, and so he said, well, typical days, I'd go to work, uh, finish work, drive home, park the car, um, go through the kitchen, grab a fridge out the beer, a fridge out the beer. <laughs> uh, have another beer. A beer, out the, a beer out the fridge, and then would go and sit in front of the TV and have dinner in front of the TV with his wife. And they're going to have a shower and go to bed. And the counselor said to him, look, you need to start something new. 
You know, there needs to be newness. Uh, you need to bring some new habits into your relationship. You yourself need to go through a transformation of some form, but you cannot continue in this way. So the next day, he took the counselor's advice. He, uh, after work, he went and showered at work. He put on smellies, uh, deodorant, yeah, deodorant. <laughs> he put on some smellies. We call it smellies. Uh, he put on some smellies and um, new clothes. Uh, on the way home, bought his wife the biggest bouquet of flowers ever and then parked his car in front of the house and went and knocked on the door. And his wife opened up the door and saw him with the flowers, bouquet of flowers, neatly dressed, clean, and um, she just burst into tears, devastated. And he asked her what was wrong. She said, man, our son was playing football at break at school and he got tackled quite badly and he, he broke his arm. Um, our daughter came home from class and she's failed this last semester. I've just got off the phone to your mom and she's coming to stay with us for two weeks. <laughs> and now you come home and you're drunk. <laughs> you see, God calls us <laughs> to be a new creation. He calls us to put old things aside he calls us to start again, to start afresh. You see, but it's, it's a bit like the man who's looking at some real estate. The current owners realized that the property didn't look very good at all. And so they said to him, look, man, we'll fix it up before you buy it, before you take possession. The man said, forget it. I don't want the building. I want the site. See, God isn't just interested in trying to fix up the building fix up the outside before we come to him. He's interested in the site so that he can build what he wants to build on it. And God is in the business of building our lives afresh. Now, I don't know whether, you, whether you're big on New Year's resolutions or not, but there is something about the 1st of January and going into the new year that does allow us to look at things in perspective and does give us an opportunity. But we know those who are Christ followers, we don't need a date in the diary to start afresh. You know, God gives, you know, it says his mercies are new every morning. And so we're given these opportunities to start afresh. But you would have realized that no matter how much you may have committed to go to gym or to eat less or to diet or whatever the case may be, those are all outward things. You'll know by now that outward resolutions to change things never works. Worldly ideas and trying to get inspiration from the world to change within doesn't work. And so I want to speak about how it is that we really can be a new creation and how we really can start this new year on a whole new page and a whole new understanding of who God is. So I'm going to just reference three things in that scripture that we read today in helping us process this. Firstly, the newness and the new creation comes from God, nowhere else. Like I said, you can try and put your trust in any diet or in any gym or in any book or anything else, any motivational speaker to try and change or to become new or to be, to be a new creation. At the end of the day, it will fall because a new creation and this newness comes from God. Rebirth or regeneration is done by God and God alone. One that is meaningful, one that is effective, is done by God. 
A dead person cannot cooperate with their resurrection. Lazarus had nothing to do with his resurrection. It was all about God that rebirthed him. Regeneration is an act of God, that God does a work in us in which we can play no role. See, God brings us to life, and when he does this, we're involved, and we cooperate with him. But we are to believe, trust, obey, and work for him. And unless God acts first, we cannot be reborn. And God did that when he said that he loved us. All rebirth and new regeneration and creation is because of God's love. It says in 1 John chapter 4, we love because he first loved us. And this is a good season to remember that God wants us to love. And we are able to love because he is love. And we are regenerated and renewed by this love that God has for us. Because no one else can love us like God loves us. And the only reason why we can love is because he loved us first and because God is love. Friends, you can be involved in any new commitment or New Year's resolution you want. But remember this, we were created in God's image to do two things on this earth. The first is to learn to love God and the other is to learn to love other people. That's it. But it all starts with God. He showed us that love by creating us. He showed us that love by giving Jesus Christ for us. He showed us that love by giving us gifts. He showed us that love so that we were able to live in all its fullness. And in order for you and I, and this is where it starts, in order for you and I to love others and to become great lovers, we first need to understand how much God loves us. It's a commitment, not just to, to talk about love or read about love or discuss love, but to experience God's love so that we can love others. And when we secure in God's unconditional love for us, we then start cutting ourselves slack. We, we start cutting other people a lot of slack. We're not as angry as we've been. We'll be more patient. We'll be more forgiving. We'll be more merciful. And we'll give others grace. You see, this is the thing. Sometimes our New Year's resolutions or when we look at ourselves, we start saying to ourselves, I need to be more merciful or more gracious or I need to be kinder or I need to be more patient. But you see, we cannot give to others what we have not received ourselves. And so my hope is that as we learn how much God loves us, and as we learn how much God shows grace and mercy for us, and as we allow God to heal our hearts, then his love can freely, freely throw through, flow through us. It's impossible to love others until you really understand God's love for you. If you want to learn how to love other people, you've got to first understand how much God loves you. When you feel that unconditional love, it makes a change in your life forever and in my life forever. The reason why sometimes you see people who are judgmental, sarcastic, angry, and self-righteous and always putting other people down is because actually they're putting themselves down. And because they don't understand God's love for them, they feel unloved. And they're only relying on the world's feelings for them. They don't feel good about themselves. They don't feel loved. They don't feel forgiven. They don't feel grace. 
they feel guilty, they feel bad about themselves, they feel bad about other people, and so they can't. And if they're feeling bad about themselves, they cannot feel any good for you. It's impossible. If a person is feeling unloved, it's impossible for them to show love. So the realization of God's love for us and that everything we have comes from God. And you might be that type of person here this morning. Maybe you've been hurt by your parents or by your peers or by your partners or your friends. Maybe you've lived a life of abuse or misuse. Maybe you've been rejected or betrayed. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've got scars on your heart. And the reason why you can't start again, the reason why you can't do something new, the reason why you can't be recreated and become a new creation is because you're carrying all of these scars and hurts on your heart. You cannot give to others what you have not received yourself. Unloving people are often unloved people. Hurt people often hurt other people. And if you're here today and you're filled with anger and impatience and you don't feel loved, guess what? You're not going to be able to love anybody else. You have to learn, friends, how much God loves you. And you need to allow God to show you his love for you and allow his love to flow through you. And until that happens, it's going to be impossible to love others. The Bible says we know and rely on the love that God has for us. Do you know the love of God? So you and I can go searching for um, our true identity. We can be searching for value. We can be looking for value in things, as we often do. You know, we, we, we often treat people differently in, in what they look like because of the outer things and what car they drive and where they live. And if we allow those things to be the standards in which we measure people, we will always be a lost generation. But when we can come to a place where we understand God's love for us and our value in God's eyes, and to remember that it comes from God, nowhere else, friends, I, I, I want to urge you with everything that I have that if you've made New Year's resolutions, that go around being sourced from something else. As a Christ follower, you turn your back on those things and you turn your face and look fully into the face of God and hear God say to you how much he loves you and how much he values you and then build it from there because God loves you. The second part of it is once we understand this comes from God and our recreation and this love comes from God, we find ourselves to be in Christ. Now, this is the most amazing thing of being in Christ. You see, Paul says a couple of things when you're in Christ. He says, in Christ, you're a new creature. In Christ, you're a saint. I mean, can you believe that? He says, when you're in Christ, we're part of his church. When we're in Christ, we're a temple of God's spirit. When you're in Christ, we're part of the eternal plan of God. It says, when we're in Christ, we're complete and full, full with the fullness of Christ. He says, when we're in Christ, then I'm enriched. He says, when I'm in Christ, I'm accepted because God's favor has been poured out on me. He says, when I'm in Christ, I am the light. When I'm in Christ, I am secure and in the love of God. It says, when I'm in Christ, I'm established, rooted, and built up. 
Now, do you understand, for those then who have received this love from God, who then live a life as a new creation in Christ, it means that when I'm feeling rotten about myself, when I'm down on myself, I remember when I read the scriptures, when I'm in Christ, in fact, I'm a saint. That no matter what people say about me, in God's eyes, I'm a saint. It means that when I'm feeling, when I'm feeling um, lost and abandoned and I have no idea of my future, I remember that when I'm in Christ, I am in the eternal plan of God. That God has got a plan for me. I was saying to Jimmy early on in the, in the, in the, as he drove me off here this morning, um, I was saying to you, man, at the end of November, December, pretty much most of November, parts of December, I've got to be honest with you, I've never felt more spiritually dead in my whole life. It was feeling like I was, uh, that I was experiencing this desert experience in my life. And I, I don't know if it's ever happened to you where you feel that when you pray, it feels like your prayers have just, just hit, the, hit the ceiling the whole time. You know, is that ever, please tell me I'm not the only one. <laughs> Good. Yeah, it just feels like no matter what I did, it just, I just felt empty, man. I, I, I wasn't inspired to pick up the Bible every day I did when I prayed and, and, and I was going through the, the most difficult time I've ever experienced. I mean, I've gone through desert experiences before, but not like this. You know? And I had to keep on remembering that no matter what I'm going through, no matter how I'm feeling, God still has an eternal plan for me. And that means that even when I'm in the desert experience, God has got a plan. It means that even if I am feeling far away from God in that moment, God still has a plan for me because I'm in Christ. It means that no matter what, you see, because the thing is that we always only want to experience the mountaintop experiences. Glory, hallelujah to God. That's the best place ever when we full, we full sense that the Holy Spirit is overflowing and we're joyous and we're on top of the mountain. But often you see God only does his best work when we're in the valley. God shapes us in the fire, not on the mountaintop. Does that make sense? And I know. And, and so we... We want those wonderful, spiritful moments, and absolutely, and those are, are, are wonderful, beautiful moments. But let me tell you, friends, it's often in the desert when God does his best work with us. Do not ever wish away a desert experience. Rather ask, what is God wanting to show me in this time? So even in the midst of that, because I was in Christ, I knew that I was still part of God's eternal plan for me. I knew that I was still complete, and I knew that I was still filled with the fullness of Christ. And times when I felt rejected in those moments, you know, I'm a pastor and all the rest of it, I remember that I'm accepted because God's favor has been poured out upon me. I knew that even in the most difficult times, I was secure in the love of God. And I knew even although I was Finding it difficult, yeah, I knew that I was established, rooted, and built up. You see, this is the thing, friends. If you live according to the world's standards, you, I was saying this earlier, you will always be you know, too tall or too short or too fat or too thin or too young or too old or too black or too white. According to the world's standards, you will always be judged for who you are. No matter what, trust me. Someone is always going to have a difference with you. Someone's always going to judge you. Someone's always going to look at you and... But you see, when you're in Christ, you're secure. When you're in Christ, you're confident about who you are, no matter what. You know, I was, a week ago, which is every week ago, I turned 50. Oh, my word. I don't mind people going, hey, man, Gary, happy 50th. But when people are going, half a century, man. <laughs> like, don't say half a century. That sounds terrible, man. Can you believe it? You've lived for half a century. 
Oh, yeah, my kids are 22 and 21, and I, and I see it in them, man. They, um, you'll see them when they sort of walk into the bathroom in the, you know, in the mirror. And when you're 20 and 21, the mirror is your best friend. <laughs> walk in front of the mirror, pretty confident. I see my son do a couple of these, you know. I watch him. When you turn 50, you walk into the mirror. The mirror is not your friend anymore <laughs> at all. So you want him to go down one of these, you know. Just above, you know, is that hair thinning? Is that bulge on the side? What is going on here, man? You see, that's the thing. You'll always be too old or too young, too male, too female. But when you're in Christ and you're in this new creation and you're in Christ, oh, what God sees is the most beautiful thing ever. And so we remember that when he refers to us as being in Christ. We are in Christ, and because we're in Christ, we are a new creation, and we no longer live to the standards of this world, but we live according to the standards of the kingdom of God. You are in Christ. It means that we have accepted his sacrifice as payment for our own sin. It means that even although our rap sheet contains every single sinful thought, attitude, or action we have ever committed, even if it means that no amount of self-cleansing can make us pure enough to warrant forgiveness and a relationship with a holy God, according to Romans chapter 3. But the Bible says that our natural sinful state, we are enemies of God. But when we accept his sacrifice on our behalf, he switches accounts with us. He exchanges our list of sins for his perfect account that is totally pleasing to God. Now, you need to hear this, friends. And if nothing changes your life, then I don't know what's going to change your life. But we go from being enemies of God to being people who God is pleased in. I mean, do you understand that transformation? Do you understand that rebirth? from being an enemy to someone who God is pleased with. That is the radical transformation that comes from God. It is a divine exchange that takes place at the foot of the cross. Our old sinful nature for his perfect nature, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. There's a swap. Now it's time for you to reveal your age. How many of you do remember, do you remember the 16 millimeter projector? I need to see hands, friends. 16 moles. Okay, so basically you can explain it to those who didn't put up their hands later on. 16, it's a projector that you put a tape thing in and it basically showed an image up on the screen. Okay. So someone said to me, and we said it this morning in the creed, that when we come face to face with God, where God says he will judge the living and the dead, we said that, means that when we go to heaven and we come face to face with God, our whole life is going to be shown up on a screen like from a 16 millimeter projector thing, um, up on the screen, and our whole life is going to be displayed for God to see and for everyone else to see. Everything. Now, I don't know about you, but man, I was not keen on that at all. So all those things that we thought we'd done in quiet and in private, when we thought no one was looking, when we closed the door, it was going to be revealed the day we come face to face with God, up on a screen. For everyone to see. The difference is this for those who are in Christ and a new creation. Every time a part of our life comes on in which we sinned or strayed away from God, the difference is this at those moments, Christ comes and stands in front of the projector. And so the screen behind of our life is blank. 
because our sin has been wiped away for once and for all, because we are in Christ. We are in Christ. Forgiven, recreated, and resurrected. Friends, don't let anyone devalue you. Don't let anyone look down on you. Don't let anyone despise you. Don't let anyone, anyone, determine your value except God. God is the only one that can ever and should ever determine your value and my value. No one else can do that. And part of the reason is because you're in Christ. So if you're at school and there are people that are devaluing you because of your race, because of your gender, because of your, your place of birth, because of anything, because of your parents or because of how you voted, no one, no one can determine your value except God. Don't ever forget that. Okay, so we remember this new creation from God in Christ, but this is the last bit, and this is the kicker, through us. See, all of this happens. This new creation comes from God for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Christ. But as a new creation, we have to be available to others. Paul said, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So every time you and I are out in the world, God is making his appeal through us to others. He calls us to be his ambassadors. All of Jesus' disciples have been asked to share our own personal stories. Every single day, we interact with people. Every single day, you and I speak to someone or are with someone, we give them a little glimpse into our perspective on life. Now, too many Christians, unfortunately, look as if they've sucked lemons all day long. (laughs) Way too serious. Way too, I don't want to go down that road this morning. But we are ambassadors for Christ. We have got, let me tell you something. You may think that you don't have a great story. Because I don't know about you, I've stood, stood, I've sat where you are and I've heard some people like come on a stage and they've talked about this blinding light and how they were doing all these things, kicking their dog and, and doing all these things. And then they came to know Christ. And I'm thinking, gee, my, my, my conversion experience isn't as grand as that. That's a lie from the devil. It's a lie from the devil. Every single one of us has a beautiful story to tell, a personal story of Christ. Now, that does not mean that every second and third word is God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit at all. But we tell people and we show people a different perspective. We, we are all charged with the responsibility of sharing the wonderful story of loving forgiveness and life transformation that comes to us from God in Jesus Christ. Please don't ever think that your story is not a good story. You coming to know Jesus Christ and the change that Jesus has made in you, people need to hear about it. I love it when, when I hear people's conversion experiences and when they tra- trace it back, they'll say to me, Gary, I was living out on the street, homeless, and a group of people who came to me 
sacrificed their time and resources, came to me and fed me and gave me a blanket. And the thing that changed me is that I wanted to know more about the God that would have his people come out in the middle of the cold, in the darkness, to come and feed me. Uh, Gary, when I was in prison and people took out their time and, and, and their resources and they came to visit me in prison, I needed to know about their God. I needed to know about the one who moved them so much that they would take an interest in me. There are people out there, friends, that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm done with the negativity. I'm done with the, done with the doom and gloom. I'm done with pe- speaking to people who just bring me into a, sp- into a spiral, into a negative pit of darkness by the doom and gloom about life. I want to hear the good news. And Christ has given us good news of a new beginning, of a new life, of transformation. And he's depending on you and me to be his ambassadors and to tell people about what God has done in my life and in your life. So, as I wrap up, thank you. As I wrap up, everything you have comes from God. Everything. Now, I spent some time on that this week, in your week, about thinking about that. Everything that you have comes from God. But the most important, the most important when it comes to being a new creation is the ability to love. That is the start of everything new. And then as that is processed, as we remember who we are in Christ, a new creation sent into the world to be God's ambassadors of good news and grace. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for every person here this morning. Thank you for the way you have worked in their lives and in my life. We are eternally grateful for Jesus Christ. And at the start of this new year, Father, as we become men and women, boys and girls, rebirthed, new creation, because of Christ, we go into this world committing to be ambassadors and to show God's love so that other people may see the newness in us and the work that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.